You're listening to the ministry of Potter's House Church Wandsworth, a Christian Pentecostal church based in South London, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our call is to reach the lost, make disciples and plant churches. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk. Over the years, I've done many different jobs. As many of you know, um, I didn't come out of college or university, and so uh, you could kind of say I've come up a bit of the the harder way, the rougher routes. And so um, as a young guy in my 20s, I've done all types of jobs, uh, outside work, laboring kind of work, working in the cold and work, getting up early, going to bed late, and all of these type of uh, manual labor jobs uh, before getting saved and uh, God kind of giving me a breakthrough and then working in an office. I've done jobs that I really liked, had a good career, had a good run, but I've done some jobs that were tough uh, 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 from a perspective of, like I said, just out in the the elements all day and uh, in the freezing cold and done, done, you know, all of these type of things. And so... The reality is I don't mind working hard. I grew up with a family that they're about hard work. Uh, I'm blessed. At least, uh, even though I didn't grow up, my father, he's a hardworking man. My uncle was hardworking. And so I've grown up around people where they're hardworking people. So that's always uh, the many de- de- uh, deficiencies, you could say, maybe in my upbringing. But that wasn't one of them. And so a good work ethic. And so for me, working hard is not hard. It's not hard to work hard. I'm, I'm up for it. But I was thinking about this is that working hard for nothing, that's what's hard. That I, I don't mind working hard if I know at the end of the month I'm going to get some money. How many are with me? If you can make some coil, amen. And so hook, hook yourself up. You got some things. But working hard for nothing. And sometimes in life it can feel like you're working hard but you're not getting much. How many have ever been in that predicament where you feel like, you know what, I'm working hard, but uh, am I getting much out of this? And so sometimes that's like with, with, with following God. And I want to I wanna, uh, preach a sermon, nothing is hard. And really I'm speaking about when, you, when, when you've got nothing, that is hard. And so Genesis 6 verse 14, the Bible says this. This is the account of... Uh, God speaking to Noah. And so I may say Moses because I kept thinking of Moses. I don't know why I keep thinking of Moses when it's Noah. But if I slip up, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubics and the width 50 cubics and its height 30 cubics. You shall make a window for the ark. You shall finish it uh, to a cubic from above and set the doors on the ark on its side. You shall make it uh, with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Let's pray. Father, we ask you right now for your grace 
and your mercy. Father, we pray for your love and your kindness uh, here in this place today. Father, I pray that you would speak to us. Give us a clear direction. I pray that you would encourage those that need encouraging. We ask this by your spirit in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is God speaking to Noah. And so in our text, he says, Make yourself an ark, which is a large boat, a ship of gopher wood. And so God tells, this is a big project. This is a very big project. And so the ark was massive. If you, if you understand the size of the ark, the, the ark was probably uh, 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 maybe four times as big as this building. You know, the ark is a, is a big construction and so uh, in, uh, I think it's in either Kentucky or Kansas, somewhere in America, they've got this ark encounter. And so basically these people have built the ark to the specification of the ark. And so if you see this thing, this, this monstrosity is massive. This thing is massive. Uh, 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 you can go online. You can go and visit it. You can go in. They've built the ark to the dimensions of what the Bible said is. And so this thing is like seven stories high, even though uh, 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 God says three. But if you see the size of this thing, because every animal is going to go in this thing. Now, some of you, how would you get all the animals in there? Well, a few things. You don't need all the animals. You just need the kind. And so basically, you don't need every type of dog because every type of dog comes from one dog. It's just a different variation of that dog. Also, you don't need to bring in animals full size. You bring in them in when they're babies. And so you understand this is a massive, massive project. Not only is this a big project that God gets nowhere to do, but if you estimate it, most people that do the, look at the dates is that this project took about 75 years. Between 50, up to, could have taken up to 75 years to build this ark. I mean, no, that's a long time. 75 years building this ark. When they look at his sons, when he started, when he finished. I was thinking about this because if you think about the size of this thing, it's only built with wood. So imagine trying to build this building three times, this whole building three times out of wood. That's going to take you 75 years. Can you imagine just the amount of wood the ark is going to take? Now imagine this now, that this, imagine today God spoke to you and he said, your name, and he says, I want you to build an ark. And imagine today, and so you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to build this ark. And so you get up tomorrow and you have to go and cut down trees. Imagine the end of the first day. What would you have? You just have a few trees, if that. Maybe you've only cut down a tree and then actually made it into like logs. One tree. What would, what would you imagine at the end of the first week, at the end of the month, even at the end of the year, what would you have? You'd basically have nothing. You'd only have probably some wood at the end of that year. And so here you are doing what God wants you to do, and you've been doing it for a year, but it almost looks like, what have you got? See, we look at the Bible and we kind of think like Noah built like a, a boat, like a little yacht. But this is a massive project. If, at the end of a day or a month or a week or a year, what have you got, Moses? Because remember, 
even after one year, he still would have about 74 years still to go. After one year, giving one year to building this thing, chopping down trees, chopping down this and that, you still have 75 years to go building this thing that God asked you to. People might ask you, after one year, people might say, how is this helping you? Here you've been faithful to doing what God said, and someone might say, how is this helping you? What would you say at that point? What if somebody asks you, no, I see you getting up early and you're going into the wood and you're cutting down these trees, but how is this providing your basic needs? You know what your basic needs are, don't you? Food. Well, let's say water. You, you can't live long without water. Then you need food. Then you need shelter. You need clothes. Moses, as I knew I was going to say Moses, I told you. Noah, how does this help you with your basic needs? For a year, you've been doing something because God asked you to do it and it hasn't helped you in your basic needs. Actually, think about it. He still has to feed himself, clothe himself, shelter himself. So we would say, even after a year, this is making it harder for me because whatever he was doing before he was building the ark to survive, he's having to do that and this. Are you with me today? What if someone was to say to Noah, why are you working on this thing? What is it yet you're building? And he says a boat. And he says, but why? Remember, imagine after five years, we say you're doing something, but you still can't even use it. Like you're building something that you can't actually use now. Doing something that God asks you to do for 75 years, and you can't even use it. How many know if we were to look at those questions from that perspective, the ark is really doing nothing for Noah? The first five years, what did the ark do for Noah? Nothing. After 10 years, what did the ark do for Noah? Nothing. After 50 years, what is the ark doing? You've been doing this for 50 years. What is it doing for you? Nothing. Because nothing is changing in Noah's life. Nothing is being gained in his life. See, the reason why I say this, church, is this shows us sometimes the root of people's discouragement. It's because you can be doing something for God and it feels like it's doing nothing for you now. That you've been doing something that God asked you to do. You've been following God. And you're still looking at your life. And you're saying, nothing has changed. Nothing is gained. I'm working on this thing. What about you working on your marriage? And it's still not changing. Now, I know that's not here. But remember, I've got to say it for the tape. Because people listen all over the world. Amen. Thank you, wife. Big up yourself. Think about this now. What about, I'm pastor, I'm working on my map, but nothing is changing. What about working on your ministry? What about witnessing? Nothing is gained. Nothing is gained. What about concerts and outreaches? And it's like, we do it and nothing is gained. See, 
If you're going to do something for God, it's going to take faith. It has to take faith. Hebrews 11 verse 7 tells us about Noah. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he uh, commended the word and became heirs of righteousness, which is according to faith. According to faith. It was faith that Noah had. I want to tell you, you need faith. You need faith. You need faith. Look at someone say, you need faith. You're going to need faith. There is no way around this. There is no way around it. Christian, listen to me today. There is no way around this. You need faith. Because there are going to be times when you are doing what God told you to do and you see it gain nothing and you see nothing changing. The Bible says in Genesis 22, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. What it's telling us is when it looked like nothing was happening in his life, he did what God told him to do. When it looked like nothing, you remember, the first day he gets up, he cuts down trees. It's nothing. The next month, the next year, for the next 10 years, every day, he's doing something. And the Bible says the only way he could do it, he did it by faith. He did according to God's word. He obeyed God's word. Faith is not living according to what you see. But it's, a, it's living according to what God has said. It's not living according to what you see. It's living according to what God said. Here is this man. Again, I'm going to bring it home, but you've got to get the picture of what's happening in the scripture. Don't just read over it and be like, oh, yeah, there's no way. That's the way. No, no, no. For 75 years, this guy is doing something. It's not, he doesn't see how this is helping him in any way, shape, or form in his day-to-day -day life. But the Bible says, because God said it, he did it. Because God said it, he did it. Even though he doesn't see anything. What do you and I do when we don't see anything? Are we still living according to God's word? What, let me, let me speak to husbands here. When you do not see your wife respecting you, do you still live according to God's word? Because you know what God's word tells you to do? Love your wife. When you do not see her respecting you, are you able still to love her? You do not see what your love is producing for you right now. Just like Noah, Noah, God, you told me to cut down trees. I'm cutting down trees. I'm building this thing, but it's not doing nothing for me now. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wife 
There you go. God told you. Can I get an amen? amen? And so that means, Pastor, I'm going home. I'm loving my wife, but I'm not seeing any respect for me right now. But Noah didn't look at what he saw. He looked at the word. Are you loving that woman? Pastor, I don't love her. No, 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 no. Love is not a feeling. It's an action. If you feel like you don't love her, then love her. Do it. Do it. But I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing any change. Well, listen. Noah didn't see any change. Noah didn't see anything. He's, Noah said, the Bible says, Noah lived according to the commandment. See, this is the issue. I don't need to see it. I only need to see it in the word. I don't need to see it in my wife. I just need to see it in the word. Can I get an amen, women? Give me an amen. Now, that was a week. Ladies, give me an amen. Okay. That's good, because we're coming for you now. When you do not see your husband loving you, when you do not see your husband being organized and have it all together, he's not the most sensitive person, but the Bible says, respect that man. Respect him. Okay, it's, it's, it's silent over here. I think this, I don't know what's happening. Come on, give me an amen here. Don't leave me alone. Come on. Hallelujah. I was like, this is the Bible and this is the Quran. I don't want that, man. I, I need poor Bible, amen, everywhere. Now, I'm only joking. I love you guys. I'm going to give you guys some, some real deal here. Listen, listen, listen. L l wife, just like Noah. Noah didn't see anything, but he get up and he did. God, what do you want me to do? I want you to make this ark. I've been doing it for five years, God, and there's still nothing. Any new orders? No new orders. The same order that he gave you. Listen, ladies, the Bible says in Ephesians, respect your husband. But he's, he don't love me. He doesn't care for me. Any new orders, God? No. Respect him. See, there, there, there has to come a point where we say, I don't need to see. I've got to obey the word. I've got to live by the word. Let me deal with some single people here. You do not see any relationship on the horizon. But how many know you still got to live pure? You've got to live pure. I've been pent up, pastor. i got needs, pastor. Listen, just because you have needs, we're not trying to deal, we're not trying to say you ain't got needs. We all got needs. Hey, Amen, we all got needs. We all have a, some needs. Those are legitimate needs. But the Bible says, listen, he said, I've been faithful, living pure for five years, and I do not see nothing on the horizon. 
Any new orders, God? No new orders. Live pure. Know how, the, the Bible says this is the will of God. Know how to possess your body in righteousness. To steer your body. It, listen, that, that's not easy. Any old loosey-goosey can ride up in the club and allow, and I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave. I mean, no, we, 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 we want to go to the next level. Amen. We have to behave a little bit. Church, we've got, we got to start living according to the word, not what we see. Noah did not need to see rain first. Noah didn't, hey, show me some, oh, is that rain? Oh, quickly, hey, guys, let's, let's, no, no, no. All Noah needed was the word. All he needed was the word. You know what I'm scared of? This is what I'm scared of. There's Christians, modern Christians. We show you in the word what it says, and what you do is you come back and say, yeah, but my circumstance. That's a dangerous place to be for a Christian. See, we should just say God's word says. And is, is that no? Is that Read it again. It says it. Lover. Guess I've got to go and love her. Respect him. I've got to respect him. Live pure. Don't fornicate. Just got to go home. <laughs> Listen, I was single nine years, so no one of you don't understand. Listen, I understand. I understand. See, all we need to do is see in the Word. See, you know what the Bible tells us in uh, Galatians 6 verse 9? It says, let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good. See, if you're going to do something for God, it takes time takes time. The big projects take time. See, God has not forgotten you. He just always has to prepare things before he moves. See, just because God don't have to prepare things, it doesn't mean he doesn't prepare things. Actually, preparation is part of God's principle. Once you know your Bible and you know God, you know he's a God who likes to prepare. Think about it now. God could have went like this and made everything. But he took six days. You ever thought about that? He took six days because he likes to prepare. He got the sun and that. And it, okay, that's all done now. Now let me make this. And then the, when, once he made the world, he had prepared it. Then he made man. Imagine if he made man in just outer space. <laughs> Think about it. He, no, 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 no. He made a world. Then he puts man into it. And once he got man, he breathed into man. He's made man, give man a job, put him in the garden. He makes woman. He'd already prepared man for the woman. He'd put them together. He'd done the first wedding. And then he, makes, he allows them to make children. He'd already prepared parents for children. The Bible says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. We had thousands of years of law. 
starting from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Moses to David to the prophets, and then Jesus comes on the scene. Because God prepares. Even Jesus didn't come out the womb just preaching. Like born. Like a month year old. Going into the temple. How many of you have been scary? Chucky. <laughs> Chucky church. It would have been nuts. The Bible says. No, but for 30 years, prepare that Jesus even being prepared. And I could go on and on and on. See, God prepares. God told Moses, so I knew I was going to say, God told Noah, I nearly said Jonah then. God told Noah, prepare. I want to tell you, church, God is all into preparing. That means you're doing something that you don't quite know why or how, but he's preparing you for something else. Something bigger. This is why it's dangerous. I was thinking about this. What if God was just waiting for him to go into the ark before it rained? That means if he just procrastinated and never finished it, what about if God is waiting for you, trying to prepare you? That you're like, this is the marriage I want. This is the husband I want. But God's like, you're not ready for that husband yet. Because I'm trying to prepare you for that guy. This is the, this is the wife I want. Because I, some of you single. God's like, I'm trying to prepare you. Get dominion over your mind. Get dominion over things. Get dominion before you step in. People that are single, they, just, they think somehow marriage is going to fix everything. Listen, marriage don't fix nothing. Marriage don't fix nothing. The Bible says that the woman is the helper. That means, if I ask you this, if I say, hey, can you give me some help? Can you help me? What's the first thing you're going to ask me? To do what? That means, bro, if you ain't doing anything yet, why do you need a helper? <laughs> to do what? You ain't doing nothing yet. So you need to pray and seek God and let God prepare calling and career. And then you'll be like, hey, can you, I kind of like you. Come be my helper. She's like, yeah, I kind of like you and I like what you're doing and what God's doing with your life. I can help. But some women don't want to help nobody. You're single and you don't want to help. You don't even want to help in church for an hour. How are you going to help someone 24 sevens a day? You don't even want to, hey, sis, can we help? Can you help us? I don't want to help. I come to church. I just want to sit in here and do what I want to do. Then when you get married, how are you going to help someone 24 hours a day? How are you going to help him bring up kids? How are you going to help him cook? How are you going to help him do that? Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, but you want to get married. You ain't going to find no solutions. You're going to make problems. If you would say right now, let God, God prepare me. Let me get involved in discipleship and let me get involved in ministry. Start to put me with people that rub me the wrong way and, you know, let me try to help and serve and go out of my way. People are like, oh, this is what I want to do. Listen, listen, listen. Look what God is doing and get behind it. You're not going to find destiny always doing what you want to do. Because God's ways are not your ways. 
If I wanted to do what I wanted to do, you think I'd be here? No, I'd be sitting on a beach somewhere in Bermuda. <laughs> reading my Bible, catching a tan, not looking pale like a ghost in the winter. But listen, if I, once I submit myself to do what God, does, what God wants me to do, I find myself and my destiny. Because Jesus says, unless you lose yourself, you ain't going to find yourself. But because you won't lose yourself, you'll never find yourself and you don't know what to do. See, God wants to prepare us. See, this is, this is what we need. We need to be in the word and say, you know what, God, your word says this. I'm going to do it even though I see nothing because I know you're preparing me for something bigger. I'm going to love this woman day after day after day after day after day after day because I know you're preparing us for something. I'm going to submit and honor this man. I'm going to live pure. I'm going to tithe and give. I'm going to witness. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to worship. Even though I don't see what this is doing, your word says it, and that's what I need to do. I just need to see it in your word. You need time. You need faith. Let me close with this. You need promise. Noah had a promise from God. Verse 17 of our text, Behold, I myself am bringing a flood on the earth. Noah had one promise from God. That promise was this. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. That's, that God promised him that. When, when, when Noah heard that, he's like, if God said it, it's going to happen. It's a promise. And you say what? When you, when you have a, a promise, it gives you a purpose. See, every day, the first day, Noah gets up and he goes and he chops down one tree and that's all he's done. And people would come, hey, what's this? What are you doing? Listen, I've got a promise. One day, it's going to rain. And see, that gives him purpose. After one month, after one year, after five years, still nothing has changed in his life. But he's faithfully doing what God told him to do. You know why? Because he has a promise. And when you have a promise from God, it gives you purpose. See, that's what gets him out of bed, is this promise of what God has said and God's Word is yes and amen. See, this is what keeps you doing the right thing. I want to tell you, church, you can do the right thing, but without purpose, you're going to quit. You can start the right thing. You can be doing the right thing for a while, but once you start not seeing anything, you're going to quit. You can do the right thing. Listen, getting married is the right thing. But if you ain't got purpose, that thing's going to get long. If you've only got your own happiness, I'm not happy right now. See, that's when you, your mind starts to play with you. See, when you have a purpose, then no, 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 no. God's, God's promised me something. Getting into ministry is the right thing, but without purpose, 
See, we get purpose from God's promises. And you've got to see God's word as a promise. See, really what's happened here is many of us, we don't go into the word of God and see it as a promise. God's word is promises to mankind. This is God's promise book. Some of you haven't read your Bible for a while because you, you, you think it's some ancient religious text, like some hieroglyphic stuck in some pyramid somewhere. No, 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 no. These are God's promises to mankind. That when you get up and you read God's promises, God promised me this. And I might not see anything happening right now, but that promise gives me purpose. That I get up every day and I will do this. And even though people, what is that doing for you now? How is that feeding your uh, basic needs? What is that doing? It's making life harder. But no, 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 because I have a promise from God. No, I had a promise. He says, listen, one day it's going to rain. The scripture that I read, Galatians 6 verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This scripture tells me, don't lose heart while you're doing good. You're doing good. You're doing the right thing. But don't lose heart because it tells me this. I have a due season. We've had so many babies born in this church. I mean, it's glorious. God is good, man. When you see someone they get, you know, usually someone gets pregnant and after a while they tell me and my wife, hey, pastor, this, we're pregnant. I'm like, oh, praise God. No, no, give it down, give it down. Praise God. No one, no one knows. No, okay. The next thing we'll, we'll say is how long? And then the next thing is when are you due? See, when you have the promises of God, it's like I have this promise that God has put in me and there's a due date with it. That's what he said here. He says, listen, don't lose heart while you're doing good. He says, in due season, church, you have a due date. You have a due date with God's promises. See, you got to believe this. It won't always be like this. What you're going through right now, it won't always be like this. The struggle you're in right now, it won't always be like this. You're laboring and fighting and doing good and you're not seeing anything and your heart starts to grow weary. And God says, listen, hold on to my promise. Hold on to my promise. I, when I promise, I never break a promise. God never breaks a promise. That's a lie of the devil. The psalmist says, I've been young and I've been old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never, he says, I've never seen it happen. And I can tell you, I'm young and I'm still young. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Amen. Never. See, listen today. God says, you've got a due date. One day, Noah has done his job. He's completed this task. People are, what, what the heck is it? What the, why, why do you need such a house? It's not a house. It's, it's an ark. And what, what? It's an ark. And he goes in. Listen. And it starts to rain. And the moment it rains, 
everything changes. That's the due date. The moment it rains, everything changes. That means this, listen. The thing that Noah was working on for 70 years that other people said was a waste of time becomes the best thing he ever did in his life. When he steps into the ark and it starts to rain, his field means nothing. His house means nothing. His produce means nothing. The only thing that counts is the ark that he built. The very thing that he was doing that looked like it was all being done for nothing. Listen, there's things that you're doing right now. And you may think, what's the point of this? When God moves, that's going to be the greatest thing you ever did. See, there are some people here. Remain faithful. Because... There's a time coming. God's going to rain. God's going to rain. Everything's going to change. And all that you've been doing now that you thought was a waste of time, you're going to look back and say, it was the greatest thing I ever did. I want to tell you, one day we're going to stand before God. The older I am, the more I think about this. <laughs> One day we're all going to stand before God. And all the church going, outreaching, praying, Bible reading, witnessing. That maybe you didn't see anything from it. You couldn't quantify it and calculate it. But I'm telling you, on that day, you're going to realize, thank God. This was the best thing I ever did. I ever did. I ever did. Listen, husband, loving that wife like Christ loved the church, there's going to come years to come. When your children grow up, and you're going to say, that was the best thing I ever did. Just as the same with wives here, the same with people that are single, the same that are people that are in ministry, the same, listen, 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 don't grow weary in doing good. Because in due season, you've sacrificed things, you've given up things, you've laid things aside. And you might think right now, what, is, what was the point? What did I do that for? Some of you think, oh, you know what, I'm going to leave church for a season, take a break. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. This ain't no time for breaks. No time for breaks. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. He says, you will reap. You will reap. Everything you're sowing, everything you're doing, you will reap. You shall reap. It is a promise from God. Hold on to this promise. Never let it go. And let it energize you and say, this is what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to go back. I need to get back into it. I'm going to throw myself into the things of God. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We hope you've been blessed, edified and challenged by the sermon to reach the lost and make disciples. For more information on what we do and who we are, visit us at phcwandsworth.co.uk.